Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Uh, we're going to get moving this morning and uh, dig in to our study of the book of Romans. Um, what a great opportunity for us as God's people, as His church here in this place, uh, to study this great uh, work in the New Testament. And uh, so how many of you have studied the book of Romans before? Awesome. You can preach next Sunday. Um, uh, I, I remember one of my uh, kids was talking about uh, reading the scriptures. They're very young, and I, I, they said, well, what book should I read? And I said, well, uh, James, the book of James. And he said, uh, I already read that one, Dad. And I thought that was super funny because um, uh, the scripture is living and active. Uh, it's, it's something alive that we uh, need for our whole life, and it's a deeper well uh, than we could ever draw the water from. And so uh, I don't care if you've studied Romans every year of your life and you're 105. Uh, um, this is a book uh, that for us now, and uh, what a great opportunity for us as a church to go through it. And uh, I would love uh, for your feedback, uh, things that you have learned in the past, as well as uh, uh, things that God is teaching you right now as we go through this. Uh, you can encourage me, and I'll try to encourage you as well. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Romans chapter 1, and I'd like to read the first seven verses. God's word says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called uh, to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets uh, in the Holy Scripture, Scriptures, concerning his son, uh, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be uh, the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom uh, we have received grace and apostleship um, to bring uh, about the obedience of faith for the sake of, the na- uh, of his name among the nations, including you who are called uh, to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God, take our time. Uh, this is yours. Uh, we come together in your name. Uh, we come together as the church of your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we gather uh, to hear from your word, uh, Holy Spirit, as you have intended. And so uh, we dedicate our time to you and realize that we want to be changed, uh, not just this morning, uh, but in the weeks to come as we look at uh, this great portion of your scriptures. God, help us uh, to understand Help us to be taught afresh and anew um, that we might learn and be uh, faithful servants of you in this time and place in our city and as well as our world uh, as we are now in it. God, we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we are going to look at really three things, uh, three things, and they follow uh, very easily in our study uh, about the man, the message, and the mission. And I, I try not to be too cute about that, but it just kind of fell together, and I was really pleased with myself. Um, that's why I'm doing that this morning. 
As we look at God's word, we start with the man, and the man is Paul, the Apostle Paul. As you look at uh, the word of God this morning, uh, Paul starts out this book. And and remember, I I want you to struggle with uh, how we look at the scripture. Uh, What is this? This is the word of God. This is the message from God to man. Uh, In this specific book, it is... God's word, God's message to the churches or believers in Rome. That is how that came together. But I want to tell you it's God's word through a man. Who's the man? Paul. Paul. And, and it's to Rome, but it is also to us today as God's people, the word of God um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but not just that, preserved that we might enjoy it, be transformed by it today here in Bear Valley Church. And so don't do this, but as you look at this, this is the letter of Paul to the Romans, but um, you can say this is the letter of Paul to the Bear Valley Churchens, Um, or put your own name in there if you're really uh, self-centered. You know who you are. Um, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. A servant. Uh, I want to outline for you just how Paul introduces himself. And that's important. Um, How do you introduce yourself? Uh, There are some things, if you get an opportunity to tell people about yourself, there are things you like to tell people about yourself. What are they? I don't want you to blurt them out right now, uh, but uh, it might be by your hobbies. I'm a, I'm a golfer, or I'm a horse person, or um, you know, I collect stamps. I don't know. Uh, to each his own. Um, but you introduce yourself in a certain way, and Paul, as he is writing this letter, is introducing himself. Not that they needed introduction, but uh, in ancient times, as they wrote these letters. They would up front tell you where it's from. Uh, by the way, it's much smarter than what we do. When you get a letter, if it's two pages, what is, what's the first thing you do? You open it up and there's no uh, address and, no, and you open it up, you see who it's from. And if it says anonymous or there's no signing, you just throw it in the trash, right? Because you don't know where it comes from. But when you see who it is, immediately you answer the question of what you're going to think about this communication. And so as Paul writes this, he identifies him by name, his name, Paul. As you think about who Paul is, uh, he wrote much of the New Testament, much of the New Testament. You think about that and you think about what that would be. Uh, If the Apostle Paul showed up today, um, we would, uh, some of you have been trying to play it cool, you know, he walks in and really want to go talk to him, but I, I don't want to be, you know, and, and for those, some of you wouldn't play it cool at all. You just rush up and, you know, make something out of yourself. And so anyways, um, Paul, Paul identifies himself and he, he, he's wanting to share who he is. And he says, Paul, a servant, a servant. Now, when you think of servant, it's those things you want to have, Right? You want to have servants, right? You want to have people 
to landscape your yard, to clean your house, to cook your food, to shop for you. You want those people who will do all those things, a servant. And it sounds like a good idea. Um, I, I remember growing up in Santa Barbara on the wrong side of the freeway. But the idea of uh, wanting to, knowing about rich people and that idea of having servants at your beck and call sounded like a great deal. Um, and you grew up with thinking about that. We all think in terms like that. And this word servant is a confusing one to us. Most translations translate it servant. And uh, as does the ESV, there's one newer translation that comes out um, that has come out in the last years. And they've purposely uh, translated each one of those words as slave, slave, because that's what it is. It's a slave, but it's also a servant, okay? And what's confusing about it is this. It was used for people who their job uh, was to be a servant. It was a, a service they provided, uh, and it was a willing thing that, where they were willingly uh, serving someone uh, because of their love or because of some kind of uh, transaction that they had, a servant. But it was also and more commonly used uh, for slave, slave, someone who was owned. And I know even as I say that, we just kind of bristle inside, especially in our, our culture today. Uh, of talking about the past and, and talking about the injustices of the past. But know this, that that's the word, slave. And what makes this confusing is this. Paul is self-identifying with this word. He is saying, let, let me tell you about how important I am. I'm a slave. I'm a slave. It's the first piece of identification for him. Now, um, when you uh, are going into a business, you do this all the time, because I know about some of you, um, and, and you're at uh, one of the greater businesses in Tatchby, and, and something didn't work out for you, a product or some kind of service, and you complain to whoever is, and then you're not getting what you want. You're not getting what you want. And what do you say? I want to see the manager. I want to see the boss. I want to see the top guy or top girl. I want to see him because I want justice. And, and what you're saying is, I'm talking to you, but you don't matter. I need to go higher. I need to go higher. This is what's so um, unique about really Christianity really about what it is to follow after Jesus, really what it is about the gospel, really what it is about Christ himself, is this thing of uh, service, of willing slavery. Uh, this idea of taking a lowly place. Paul says, I'll tell you who I am. And you can look in the book of Philippians. There's, there's a list in there. Uh, where Paul talks about all the great things that he was able to do in, before he came to know Christ, the importance of who he was, both through his, uh, you know, the things that he did, but also through the family that he came from, the training that he received. He talks about how great he was. But Paul, as he's going to write 
to the believers in the greatest city in all the world, Rome, he starts out and he says, Paul is servant. Paul is servant. To me, there's a lot that can be said about this idea of Paul is servant. Obviously, I've said a lot already. But this idea that Paul here happily is owned. Happily is owned. He self-identifies as a servant. A servant of Christ Jesus. Servant of Christ Jesus. I'm not the boss. I'm not the smart guy. I am a servant of Christ Jesus. And Paul identifies that for all of us to hear. Not, I'm Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. I'm not the the smartest guy in the Bible. I am Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Think about that right now. As you look on, he, he goes from being a servant and he says, called to be an apostle. Called to be an apostle. And when you see the word apostle, apostleship, um, Paul deals with this whole uh, dialogue and understanding of what it is to be apostle in other books he wrote as well. There was some question because of what he had done before, because Paul was a Christian killer, now being someone who carried the message. That's different, obviously, right? Uh, so one of the things he highlights is that he was called to be an apostle. Uh, even using the word apostle, he goes on to say one cent. And that is the, the job of an apostle is to take the message of the one who called you to go out and share the message. I shared last week that it's really the picture of one who's a, a postal worker or a UPS driver, FedEx, on, you know, whoever those people are that deliver our packages in those unmarked vehicles these days. But um, we, we, uh, we get the picture that that person is just delivering what has been sent. And there is, um, so there's servant, there's just the, the lowliness of that, and really the connection to the one whom you serve. That's very important, right? Paul's importance in being a servant was because he was a servant of Christ Jesus. Now he moves to a greater word, apostle, but he makes sure that we know, and sometimes we get all confused about this, um, Apostle is a word of authority, a word of authority, but it wasn't a a position that he attained to, but but that he was called to. Think about the difference there. Um, He doesn't say, I I went to this school and that school. I worked really hard. I um, was far exceeding everybody else, and I worked harder, put in long hours, and I was smarter than everybody else, and I got to be an apostle. He says, no, I was called to be an apostle. I was called by God. I, I had a, a, a prompting, a, a gathering, and a pushing out, and a sending, sending with a message, a message uh, that is super important. And so what's important is not the apostle, but the one who called the apostle. And specifically, he says, He's set apart for the gospel. The testimony of Paul was this. Who cares who I was before? Now I am set apart for the gospel. Think about that. 
As Paul looked upon his life, he says, I'm a servant, I'm an apostle, I'm set apart. Now what I'm doing is I'm taking forth, I'm, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I have been called to something special. And people need to listen, not because I'm great, but because of the one who sent me, an apostle. That's the man. And so I, I, I want you to get this just as we go on. Um, some people misunderstand the Bible. They misunderstand the whole of the Bible. So um, the Bible is written in English, right? Your Bible is and my Bible is. Uh, but it was, you know, it's translated, it's preserved, translated, and, and we have this, and they're, they're always, scholars are always trying to get uh, a more perfect translation, even as uh, language changes. But know this, um, some of us get confused um, because uh, kind of the argumentative person in our heart, as we read the scripture, we go, I'm, I'm deciding whether I believe this or not. You know, I, I hear the message, I'm going to decide whether, I, you know, I like that line. I agree with that line. But this next line over here, no, I'm going to reject that. This line, that line, this line, this book, that book, uh, this concept, this, you know, this teaching, this not, the theology, no, I, I, I'm always deciding which part I like. Which part I agree with. You know this. Um, this message came from a servant, right? He was an apostle. He was bringing a message, a message from God, your creator. And so the idea that we would argue and disagree with what is said is utter foolishness. And, and the height of, an, of arrogance, right? That the one created would look to his creator and say, you got a few things wrong, and I kind of have my own ideas about this. Um, be careful, be careful. You can argue on Facebook with your friends um, that are just really not that great of friends, but um, the idea of reading the scripture with anything other than God telling you who he wants you to be and giving you all the, the work to get there to transformation, um, that's what we should be doing. Anyways, that is the man, Paul, the man, Paul. And I just ask you the question, what are your credentials? What are your credentials? What is it that how, you do, how do you want to introduce yourself? How do you want to, um, as you have a message to share with people, uh, what do you want to tell them before that, before you get to the message? And what a great uh, example that Paul says, he says, you know, I'm, I'm a servant, a servant of Christ Jesus, it's a big deal, and God sent me with a message, a message for you. Well, what was this message? You look down at verses two through four, which he promised beforehand, and he's giving us some details now about the message. I want to tell you that Romans is a great, great book of deep, deep message, specifically talking about um, humanity and why the good news is so good, the details about the good news. And so um, this is why you should come back next week and the weeks following. Um, and um, we're giving out gifts and stuff like that in the weeks to come. Uh, 
treats. No, anyways. Um, the message. So we have Paul, the man. Now we have Paul's message, verses 2 through 4. As you look at it, he says, which, uh, which he promised, this message that he had as an apostle, which he promised beforehand uh, through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. As we look at this gospel, and, and this is so important for us to get as well. Um, why did God send his son, Jesus? And it's accurate to say, well, because the world was such a mess. He, he sent the Savior because the world was so sinful. But, but get this, get this. As you look at the Old Testament, sometimes we, we get this picture um, especially as we look at Christmas and the uh, months to come, we get this picture, oh, the world had gotten so bad, and God didn't know what to do. And so the, he kind of thought, oh, I have an idea. I'm going to send this little baby. And this little baby is going to uh, have this unique uh, birth, and then he's going to grow to be a man king, and he'll go from there, and he will be the savior of the world. That, that sounds like a good plan to fix this mess of a world. But know this, even Paul brings this, this message, this good news message was spoken of beforehand. Um, even if you don't quite get your head around why, know this. That in the book of Genesis, first criminal chapters, three chapters, you know, you, you see the plan of Christ coming to redeem, to crush Satan's plan. And it was before things got really, really bad. They were really, really bad. And he knew, and it was part of the plan of God. You see, the plan of God, it is his idea, it is his planning, it is his timing, it is his Savior, the Savior Jesus Christ, it is son, his Son, all this comes beforehand as part of his plan. And I would tell you in the front view, you know, in the, the windshield as well, right? As you look out and you go, no, oh, no, what happens if this happens or if that happens or what's going on? The plan, what is the plan? I want to tell you, it's the plan of God. And so as Paul highlights and begins to speak of this gospel that he was sent to share, what does he say? Beforehand. It was beforehand. Um, most of us have this attitude that the world began in 1968. It began in 1968. Anything before that, who cares? That was the year I was born. So anything before that doesn't really matter. 1968. December 9th, by the way. <laughs> In the Old Testament, it foretold of the coming of Jesus in the Bible, in the Scriptures. He's connecting this. He says it was foretold. Where was it foretold? Where did the prophets speak? Where can you find it? It's in the prophets. It's in the Old Testament, but specifically the pa there's passages that speak not to the day so much as to the day that is to come. 
And the one who is to come, the Messiah that is to come, the plan of God coming for sinners like you and me. That's good news. We have a promised Jesus, a promised Messiah. And who is he? Well, as it goes on, verse 3, concerning his son, who is a descendant of David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit. Stop there, but there's really twofold picture here. Uh, a fleshly connection with a family, not just any family, but the family of David, right? He's part of, and when you think of the family of David in the Old Testament, what, what do you think of? Prophecies regarding the Messiah that is to come. So, but he was a man, part of a family, a family of David, chosen family, part of that, that connection with the plan. But secondly, what is he? He, he was the son of God. The Son of God. This idea of the Son of God is equal with God, connected with God, equal in the sense of deity on this face of this earth. And as you think about the Messiah that is to come, very important to get, he was a man. He was born as a baby. He was flesh. He was just like us, but he was also God come in the flesh. And so this one that was foretold of was both man part of the family of David, and also the Son of God. He goes on to make clear, too, that um, he came in power according to the spirit of holiness uh, by his resurrection from the dead. As we connect all that, you see the spirit of God, um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the spirit working in what the resurrection of the dead as you think what the really the culmination of the events of Jesus' life here on earth was his resurrection where the Spirit of God worked in him uh, in a special way as part of the resurrection. And then it says this, and there's a couple of uh, phrases, lines in here that I think really highlight what the, the point of this is. He, he says, uh, beforehand... Concerning the Son and the Holy Scriptures, descendant of David and the flesh, the Son of God, Spirit of holiness. And then he says, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ our Lord. And as you think about the message, the message is this. Is this man Jesus, this man Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Lord and Christ. As you think about what the gospel is, what the good news is, there was a man who came and died. His name was Jesus. I know that um, there's different uh, people. It's becoming a fad again, talking about Jesus and his other names, Yeshua and this and that. I want to encourage you about something. That's really cool and exciting to know. But um, different names are translated different ways in different languages, right? And uh, the idea of uh, speaking in your French name, having us call you your French name instead of that which people call in the United like is a different thing. You can use any of them, okay? So don't get confused by this. But Jesus was his name. It's what they would have called him if he would have lived in California. He never had the pleasure of living in California. What would Jesus be like in California? That, that, that could be a great book. Uh, but Jesus... Uh, this picture is this, that Jesus was his name. And, and 
What was he? What was the greatness of this man Jesus is this, that he was Christ our Lord. Christ being the connection to all those Old Testament prophecies where it talks about him coming as the Messiah, the Savior. And then as he is our Savior, he is also, because of who he is, he is our Lord, our King, our King over all. That's the message. That's the message. So you have the man, Paul, servant, apostle. Now you have the message, Jesus Christ, the Lord. We move on to the mission, to the mission. Um, as you look at this, this mission, and before I move on to the mission, the, the gospel is good news, isn't it? That, that's why it's called the gospel. It's good news. And as Paul was, he, he know this, know this, that Paul knew, knew about the gospel, not because he studied not even because um, he went to a class that God had a special class for him or Jesus had a special class for him and he learned some stuff, but that he experienced it. And, and as I, I look at this, I, I, I look at this gospel, this was Paul's special good news gospel. It was his answer for his sin problem. I want to tell you, if you're a follower in Jesus Christ, it's your answer. It's Paul's answer and your answer. It's the answer for me. It's the answer for people in Rome. It's the answer for people in Tehachapi. This is so important for us to get. And this is... Make no mistakes, as you look at the scripture, it's a one-way gospel. It's the answer for everyone. But, but it's also the only answer. Remember, we talked about last week that uh, Rome had an answer for everything. It was the center of all things. That it was the big city that had everything. If anything was possible, it was possible to find in Rome. It was the greatest and successful, and it was the peak of all that was happening, happening in civilization. But know this, there was only one answer for Rome. His name was Jesus. That's the answer, and it's the answer for you, it's the answer for me, it's the answer for our parents, our grandparents, our kids, our grandkids, great-grandkids. If you have two great greats, that's amazing. Um, anyways, um, we move on to Paul's mission, verse 5 and 6. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. All the nations. What you get here is this, that our Rome, yeah, Rome, the center of the world, yeah, Rome, but also... Uh, where does it go from here? What is the mission of the gospel? What is the, the need to spread this? Um, once again, Paul connects his own faith, grace, but also the apostleship, the idea of, of the sharing, authoritative sharing, to bring this message out. He describes salvation as obedience of faith, meaning the response uh, to salvation, 
that it transforms you in such a way that you walk differently. You obey. Uh, what are you obeying? Now you're obeying your faith that is put in Jesus. No longer obeying the flesh. Uh, I'll talk about that in later chapters. But this idea that this salvation that came uh, through what God has done in you, this change, your faith being placed in Jesus. We received it. And he says, for this obedience of, of faith, meaning uh, that he is picturing. Think about Paul is primarily a missionary church planner. And as he goes around, and you'll, you can see in the fronts of your Bibles, they, they have, or in the back of your Bible, they have maps like this. And it, uh, there's one that probably says, Paul's missionary journeys, and you can see the places he went, and what he was doing was he was establishing churches through people responding in faith to the gospel. Each one of those cities, towns, villages, areas, coming to know Jesus and then gathering together as a church. This is what Paul was doing. This is what it was, his mission, but his mission was that people would be transformed, that they would place their faith in Jesus, no longer in themselves or some other ideas, but they place their faith in Jesus. But I want you to get this. This is the second, uh, the second phrase that I think stands out to me in this passage. You, the first one being uh, Jesus Christ, uh, our Lord, the, the, the Lord, the idea that he, Him being a man but also being uh, the Savior and Lord. Now it says in verse 5, the end, for the sake of his name among all the nations. All the nations. The picture here is this, that they're in Rome, the center of the world. But this idea that this message needs to spread out from there to where? His name Throughout all the nations. Throughout all the nations. That's hard for us to grasp. Many of us have not traveled uh, to many other nations other than the one we live in, California. Um, but this picture is this, that Paul envisioned both by his, him doing it, but also for those in Rome, know this, that he had a mission for them as well. That this message of salvation, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the, the one, the answer that was right for us and for him and for Rome and for Tehachapi, he pictured this, that his name would be great among all the nations, all the nations. He was picturing the Roman church to spread out and he's picturing us as Bear Valley Church to spread out as well. And what does that look like? I don't know. Um, it means, obviously, it means our city, right? That we would be looking and uh, looking to encourage people to put their faith in Jesus. Um, I, I want to tell you, the first message is just the gospel, right? Um, it's just the gospel. Don't ask them to join the church. Uh, joining the church becomes a byproduct of our faith. We are placed in the church by salvation. It's not about doing anything or serving anything or giving anything. It's not about that. He makes us that in the gospel. And so the, the hope uh, for Paul 
uh, in his mission as he pictured that the name of Jesus would be great among all the nations, including as he, as he thought about them, he was including, in verse 6 it says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ in Rome, right? Those are the people. And so he's picturing that work being done. And so we say, in you, Roman church, but also you, Bear Valley Church, um, we think about this. Verse 7, um, as you look at this, you see uh, Paul the man, Paul's message, Paul's mission, and this is the, really the address of where he is talking to. Uh, he says in verse 7, um, to, all the, uh, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to I tell you this. Because I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the different greetings that Paul shared and others shared in the Bible. These greetings meant something. Why? Why did these greetings mean something? Uh, in, as I traveled in uh, Russia or in college, uh, as you'd go to different churches, they would bring greetings. Uh, we have a missionary, Eric Mock, who uh, travels those lands and uh, he, when he comes, I guarantee it, without prompting, he would say, I bring you greetings uh, from the brothers. And why? What, what is the big connection? What, what is Paul? Does Paul, are these his friends? Do, does he know them well? What is the connection is this? It's not so much that he knows each individual. It's that he sees them in the gospel as brothers and sisters in Christ. That he sees them having this eternal Eternal family relationship. We've talked about this over and over in amongst ourselves here, right? We are a family. We are a family. Why? Not because we like each other or even know each other. Not because we're the same. Not because we live. Like, none of these things are what connects us. It's Jesus that connects us. And, and I love the way he says it here because... He focuses on some very specific things. He says, those who are loved by God and called to be saints. Loved by God, called to be saints. What does he highlight when he talks about their salvation? The work that God has done for them. It's a a God-centered gospel. It's not a, a gospel that they have worked for. It is a gospel that Jesus has planned and done for them. Those who are loved by God and called to be saints. I know some of you uh, ex-Catholics and recovering Catholics and present Catholics. When you see uh, saints there, you go, well, which ones is he talking about? He's talking about believers. Are they dead? No, because dead people don't read. And they don't need letters. Right? They're saints because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know that's hard to imagine. Because you know yourself. How can I be a saint? That's easy. I mean, it's not easy. But it's simple. It's because of what Christ has done on your behalf. It's because of what Christ has done on your behalf.
He speaks of that which we have because of Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A God-centered piece of the work that God transforms us. I want to give you three things uh, just concluding our time together. Uh, just to help you think through this passage. First one, everyone is humbled before the Lord. Everyone. And I, want, I say everyone is humbled. It's not really that everyone is humble. It's everyone should be humbled before the Lord. If you get a great picture of it, Paul was a great man in his manliness. He was an accomplished man. He did some stuff and he was important and probably uh, he had charisma and leadership and all those other things. He probably had all those things. But he was humbled before the Lord. He found himself to just be a, a mailman, a slave. Everyone is humbled before the Lord. Secondly, as we look at this, we're beginning to see, and we will continue to see, that we are part of the huge plan of God. Huge plan of God. What's going on in the world and what was going on in Rome and what was happening in Paul's ministry in those missionary journeys? What was happening and what happened in Jesus and what happened in the Old Testament? All those things were happening as part of the huge plan of God. And what is happening today is somehow part of the huge plan of God. It's not the plan of the Democrats or the Republicans. It's not the, the, the plan of Pfizer or any other company. It's not part of the uh, Chinese Communist Party, their drug cartels. Whoever you're concerned about and wondering about them working out their plan, I want to remind you that to Rome, the plan of God was being worked out. They didn't think it was the plan. Caesar thought he was in charge, right? Nero, right? Uh, he thought he was in charge. And, and kings and kingdoms were arguing over territory and being a world power and hoping to be better than others and, and thwart this plan and that plan. And, and they, they had all the same stuff going on. But there was what was happening as you look at the scriptures is the huge plan of God. And I say huge because it lasts, it's overall, but it also lasts generations. But I, I want you to remind yourself, and I want to remind myself, it's the plan of God, not the plan of men. We see details and we go, oh, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? What is that going to happen? How is this going to happen? What date is this going to happen? Yeah, we look at all those things. But to know this, that God is working out his huge plan. And we are a part of that in this time, in this place. And then lastly, I'd say this. Jesus is the answer for your sin. Jesus is the only answer. Paul was a great man, but Jesus was the only answer for him. Rome was a great city, but Jesus was the only answer, the only good news for Rome. And Jesus, as I think about the United States of America, greatest country. But Jesus is the answer for the United States. Great state of California. We are great. There's great stuff going on here. There's great, amazing things about it. Jesus is the only, only hope and answer. As you think about this, 
You can see it in the course of history. You can see it in the, uh, in the gravity of our world today. But really bring it back down. Jesus is the only answer for me. For me. My sin to be made right and for me to be in right relation. Jesus is the only way for me. This is what drove Paul as he thought about uh, this Roman church, but also that city and the, really that his name, his name would be great among the nations. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being in your word and in this great study of this time and this place. And God, help us to grasp all that you want us to know. God, as I think through um, how we are, what's going on in our world today, but also like how we think about what's going on in our world today. God, help us to be focused on the good news of the gospel. Help us to understand and grab hold of and cling to uh, Jesus and what he has done for us. Help us be mindful of the plan that is coming together by your own design, not by uh, men nor us. And God, we thank you uh, for encouraging us through your word now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.